Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin and no Austin again this week. He is still on suspension. I revoked his access to the stream yard so he can't pop in this time. Uh, but we are continuing the C2C strategy series here. Uh, we're start, We're doing startups. You know, we talked commissioners, how to be a commissioner first. Uh, we talked to some guys who had uh, never played before and, and their first league. Now we're getting into some startup strategy here. And I am joined by a special guest here tonight, uh, Mr. Eric Quartz at FF Eric Baller EK or at FF Baller EK, senior writer for Dynasty Nerds, host of the Debbie Dose over there on the YouTube channel. Eric, thanks for joining me, man. Colin, thanks for having me on, my friend. I appreciate it. And I'll do my best uh, Austin impression. I don't know. Nobody, I the <laughs> nobody wants Austin. Nobody wants yeah. Austin. The, our, our, our numbers have been way up without him here. We're good. Yeah, just, just through the move. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you hopping on here. I, I figured, uh, you know, you did really well in the uh, Survivors League back to back years. Um, the one league that we're in together. And then in the uh, the other league that we're in, the C2 Shining C one, the, the best ball one, um, you've been doing really well on that one, too. So I was like, I got to get this guy on, man. He's killing these startups. So I appreciate the props. I'm uh, doing OK in a few of them. There's plenty of other ones that I'm uh, a bottom feeder in, but uh, <laughs> you know, doing my best. I don't like losing. So uh, I try to put in the work and, and you know climb the rankings as best I can. Yeah. Well, I mean, that Survivor's League, is that's a shark league, man. That's you and me and Ray Garvin and Kane Fassell from Debbie Marketplace, Matt uh, Hicks, Shaq, tons and tons of guys in that one. Yeah. I think like I was saying, in there too. Yeah. 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 And that was my first introduction to the campus to Canton. So Oof. I uh, definitely felt like the minnow among sharks in that original startup draft. I mean, I, I still feel like a minnow amongst those guys. I mean, those are those are some high profile guys there. Um, and I came in into that league. I, I picked, took over an orphan. So I came in, I think, one or two years in. Um, you said that was your first league. How long have you how long has that been going? I think this was the third season in it. So, gotcha. yeah, I want to say that. Yeah. Najee's senior year. Right. Was the, gotcha. the first season of that. He was like a top five pick in that one him and chase right so right gotcha yeah, yeah, awesome yeah. awesome so how long have you been playing fantasy football like overall uh i i, I had to look this up because i wasn't <laughs> sure scrolling back through my original <laughs> yahoo feed and uh yeah it looks like uh, my first league was you know home league friends league um about seven years ago and nice. uh you had the typical experience right where like i did a little bit good and I like the feeling when I do good at things. <laughs> I like the I like the scrolling and finding gems and digging for treasure. Like I love all that stuff. So I was just immediately obsessed with it. At one league the first year, three the second year, and then just exploded into dynasty football after that. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a lot of stories. Like that's pretty much the same with mine too. You start with one and with some buddies, and then you get hooked. Um, so you said you, you hopped into dynasty after that. How long have you been playing dynasty? I think that's five years, um, you know, in the first year was, you know, dip, dip my toe, toe in the waters and, you know, a dynasty league, picked up a couple of orphans. And the second year was 
IDP, like, oh, you know, man. triple flexes. And then I think the end of that, I, I, I got a, we started to hit the pandemic and, and Brian invited me to uh, survivors and we did the nerds one that Austin uh, commissions. I don't think you're in that one, but uh, about the same time. Nice. So. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Man. And you're, you consider yourself probably more of a Devi guy, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. So interestingly or boringly, <laughs> I'm not in any Devi leagues. I just okay. play Campus of Canton and then I play a ton of Dynasty. I, I skipped the, uh, the Devi step on the ladder, my degeneracy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like with Devi leagues, I, I'm in one Devi league and I love Devi. But I won't join anymore because I love the C2C side of it more. And honestly, I have more of a Debbie background. So I kind of attack it from that, the C2C leagues from that kind of a mindset too. So, you know, you may as well get some points for these guys you're, uh, that, that, that you're rostering. You're doing the, the digging around and finding these gems. You know, take advantage of the points. Yeah, that's it. And I still to the day, I mean, like and it, my podcast is literally called the Debbie Dose, but <laughs> partly it just sounds better. You know, the C2C Dose is kind of. I don't know. You guys kind of copyrighted the name. <laughs> that would just be I mean, a hanger on. Hey, Debbie Dose, everybody loves the alliteration too. That, that, that comes, rolls off the tongue real nice too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So how many C2C leagues are you in now at this point? Now you've fully dove in. Yeah, I, I think uh, there was 12 in my fan tracks right now. Everything's <laughs> uh, been, been renewed for the 2023 season. Uh and that should be it. And honestly, I don't, I don't think I've had any die. I had one this year that was um, it's that really fun double copy 24 team format. Yeah, okay. that I, I, don't, I don't know who – do you know who came up with that? Is that an, I heard about it from Austin. Is that an Austin thing? Um, so the first league that I ever joined for Campus to Canton was a 20-teamer um, double copy, full IDP. Um, so it was a guy named, uh, Brock. Um, he does the Debbie IDP grind podcast. Yeah. Um, he's one of the guys on there. So he's the first one that I ever saw do it. And I know Austin loves that format. I love that format too. Cause when you have like the 24 teams and you do the double copy on college and single on the NFL or double copy on the NFL side, single in college, it makes the rookie draft still actually matter. And I love that. Yeah. That was my first year and it was last year. And, uh, and we had a the original commissioner wasn't super experienced. We had seven teams leave. So that's been, and you guys have been super supportive. I got some retweets from the account, but I had to fill, uh, I got talked to people in the saying, filled five teams. It was, okay. it, was it, it was uncertain for a little bit there, but, um, I'm really looking forward to that, uh, to that rookie draft and I mean, it's just a fun format. And then the auction aspect of it as well. Um, it's just like auction with like campus account and just, I don't know. It's it's more like for me, ADP with the college side is kind of junk anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that the truth of what people think they think is coming out with the auction. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It's it, once you get after like, I don't know, round 10, even round like eight or so with, with ADP, it's, it can fluctuate so much. Like on our, on our site, we have like a standard deviation for our AVP ADP. And as you go down, like that just starts to grow and grow and grow. And, you can think like, oh, my guy's going to still be there in the 12th round and somebody snags him in the eighth. And you're like, whoa, I thought I had some time here. So, yeah, yeah. it's tough. Yeah, I I feel like, again, your site is having a little bit of a normalizing effect on that. But 
still, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't pay much attention to it after like the fourth round. Yeah. Um, I just, I make a big board, you know, the, the elite players, the top players, um, a little bit paying attention to ADP, but at that point too, it's, those are the guys we know the most about. Right. Right. Which is, those are the people about whom you can make relatively informed decisions. So it's kind of like easy to stay within that. But you know, yeah, once you get past like the guys that are like, Oh, this is an elite NFL player. or This is a definitely an NFL player with upsides. Like who cares? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's definitely tough, but uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what I love, you know, about the, about it is, is it's not easy. You know, you have to make some of these decisions like with, with redraft for sure. And even with dynasty too, like, there's so much advice out there and everybody's kind of operating with the same information and, and it's hard to find like true sleepers with C2C, man. Like once you get after those, those top rounds, like you can unearth some, some real sleepers. And I, I love that part of things. Yeah. I, I love the things that uh, your recruiting team are doing now too. Some of, who's it? Tim who's making the models. Is Tim, Tim on your team? Alp. Yeah. T- yeah. Tim yeah. Alp. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, Who's big wide receiver guy? He's is he on yeah, your Matt. Too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, both of them. Um, just you know, if the, the athleticism scores, the production scores, the models, I found that really helpful. But even then, it's still just yeah. like, what's the hit rate on that? You know, right. every 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 year I take one of those guys that I'm just like, oh, this is the guy. He's gonna he's gonna do it. <laughs> and then they just like don't play, yep. and then they transfer to a G five <laughs> school and vanish into the void. Yep. Yeah, but all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's get into the stra- startup strategy here. Uh, we'll start with the college side, you know, then we'll move kind of into the NFL stuff here. But because uh, I think the college side is one that people aren't quite as familiar with, or it's it's newer to them. Most people enter C two C from the Dynasty Devi angle. Um, so we talked about at the beginning of the draft here. Uh, is there any like draft slot that you prefer to draft from, or any draft range like early, mid, late? Yeah, no, I mean, I was thinking about that, and uh, really, I, I think, and I think I feel basically the same way I, about it as I do in a regular startup draft in Dynasty, and that's, I kind of want to be on the turn. I feel like you have some more control. Okay. I feel like, um, you, you know, either either at the one, you know, one, two, or, you know, or at, uh, you know, 11, 12, um, you know, one, two, you're probably getting a player you have a lot of information about, but even that can go wrong. I mean, yeah. last year we had startups or... Yeah, last year or last off season, we'd start up. So I took, you know, Sam Howell at like 103 or whatever and felt good about it. Yeah. <laughs> How did that look? DJU, you know DJU Spencer yeah, Rattler. DJU, yeah. Spencer Rattler, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you could, you could, things could go wrong even then. Yeah. I think what I care about more than that is you have, uh, you have the double tap at, at the end of the second and the beginning of the third. I do think there's a limited amount like we were talking about of guys that like have already established some kind of profile um, that you have some confidence of, of, you know, a future for them. And I think that runs out kind of at the end of the third round, maybe, you know, in the fourth round that I stop feeling great about it, you know, and that's when you start seeing, you know, more freshmen mix in yeah. at that point. Yep. And uh, you know, I, I just, I'd like to get as many of those players as I can. Right. So if I think that goes strong through four rounds, then I'm I'm psyched to have the late pick, right? Because I'll get two at the end of the first and I'll get two at the end of the third. And that's a good start to me. I do think, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have told you 
a year and a half ago that there was a massive advantage to having that like one, two or three spot because we think we know about it. Right. <laughs> but, but really, like, I, I, I don't know, last year kind of shot that down for me in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it, that was just a weird, weird group because any of those quarterbacks, like almost none of them panned out. The top guys that year, DJU, Sam Howell, Matt Corral was up there, Rattler. Mm-hmm. I mean, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young were up there, but they hadn't really yeah. climbed up into that range yet. Yeah, it's uh, we think we know some things and it turns out sometimes we don't know quite as much as we think we do. Yeah. That's the game, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting that you like the turn, though. I, 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 I totally get what you're saying. I just hate waiting so long between picks, man. I just, I see picks go off the board. And I'm like, I get, I get antsy. I'm like, ah, yeah. Like, ah, I gotta, I gotta grab a pick here. I, w- I want somebody. So then I feel like if I'm on the turns, I, I almost trade more because I'm like, I want to trade up. I want to go get somebody. But I, I, I've had that experience. I'm in a startup right now, just like a casual one of some Twitter people, like analysts and stuff, smart yeah. people. But uh, yeah, and I, like every time I'm like, I just, I want a third to slide up in each spot, you know, in the 10th round or whatever. Yeah. But I, I do feel like you can control runs a little bit from yeah. that. Whereas if you're like, you know, like in the three spot and a run starts at the turn, you're just like, ah, you just watch. It's like, tight ends or quarterbacks vanish, you know, yep. melt away. Um, so, you know, I do try to get ahead of that stuff though. If you're on a turn, you get a plan. Like I don't have a pick for, you know, 24 picks, like, you know, <laughs> what's it look like in two rounds. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. So, I mean, you, you mentioned like these, these positional runs here. Are there any positions that you like to target early in the draft, like in a, in a startup here? Yeah. I mean, usually I've, I've been, you know, elite QB or bust. Um, but again, I think I'm, I, I'm perhaps I haven't done a C to C startup yet this season, but I honestly okay. think that I might reconsider that, you know, um, I'll, I'll say, you know, and we're kind of doing college right now, but where I'm at now, I kind of want to just take care of quarterback in the NFL and then just hammer skill positions uh, early, you know, on the college side. I just think, you know, if, if you whiff on one of those guys, you probably whiff on it and then they're a role player in the NFL. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, unlikely to have the, you know, permanent taxi squad, and then you're cutting them in three years thing that that we're gonna have with like like corrals. Corral gonna have an NFL career. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I'm. If there's a guy and I'm confident on him, like Young, I smashed Stroud, I smashed when I could. Um, but uh, Caleb, um, even this past year, I took I took Ewers. Uh, I'm yeah. in a league with another like just you know like chalk and like jesse and um you know a bunch of other really smart guys uh and and i took ewers at like 106 because just kind of fomo but also just that profile yeah tends to be successful like the number one quarterback uh you know elite elite recruit tends to have a, a really good hit rate you know i mean there's the rattlers but uh far far more guys that succeed and that, that bit me too. So. Yeah. I mean, we fingers crossed for yours this year here with Sark year two, getting a couple extra weapons there. Uh, that offensive line was good last year. Should be even better. So putting the shoulder injury behind him, I still have hope for yours. So are you, are you, is it injury? <laughs> is it just inexperience? I mean, I yeah. know like the, yeah. the rational part of me wants to say uh, he was really a freshman, you know right. what I mean? Uh, yeah. it, it only his first, you know, 10 games that we saw him start. Yeah. But 
it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was. It was very. There was definitely some some shaky moments out there. Um, you caught some glimpses of the things that we love, like the arm talent, throwing outside on the move outside of structure, just making plays happen, and then other times just not looking good. The accuracy, the deep balls, were were, were struggling there. So yeah, I, jury's out on on yours. I still have hope. I don't think that one's gonna burn you. At least not this year, but Cross my fingers. I, I, I get what I get what you're saying about attacking the the NFL side with the QBs there, because I mean I'm I, I think with the NFL right now, there's quarterbacks not quite as deep as what it was, you know, like two or three years ago. Like some, we're we're hmm. losing some guys, we're losing Brady. You know, Rogers, I don't feel quite as good about anymore. He just got back from his darkness retreat. What's he gonna do? Who knows? You know? <laughs> Probably more yeah. drugs, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of car. We don't know where he's gonna end up now. Like uh-huh. I, I, I kind of like getting the proven guy on the NFL side too. Yeah. And even the past three years before that, like guys like Breeze, Roethlisberger, yeah. Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, like yeah. we lost a lot of if not Hall of Fame guys, like, you know, high-end talents that were reliable for 10 years, for the whole time that you and I have been, like, adults. Like, these guys have been NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I I do like to try to get the proven elite guy on the college side, too. Like you were saying, though, if you can get Caleb, if you can get a Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. But after that, like, I'll I'll tend to wait, too, uh, and try and attack some of these other positions. Um, is there anything you look for specifically like in an early draft pick, like recruiting pedigree, athleticism, production? What what does your like ideal early pick kind of look like? Uh, yeah, so I, I do. I mean, I do a lot of film work, but I like heart. I, I come from a pretty data driven perspective. So okay. I like someone that's that's building a profile. You know what I mean? No, my my models do like to see multiple years of like people doing things. But yeah. I want a guy that showed up last year. You know what I mean? That he's done something. He's he earned some market share alongside other good players, or he earned a substantial market share by himself. Uh, I want a guy that got on the field. I want a guy that flashed, right? And like it's kind of a nebulous thing, right? And guys yeah. can flash a play and then, you know, bomb. But I just want I want as much information as I can that somebody's on a path to being, uh, you know, an NFL draft prospect. I, I don't care that much about pedigree, I guess, okay. to answer the specifics of it. High-end athletes, I feel like I feel like the measurables for these guys coming out of high school are often all over the place. Like, yeah. you know, you get like a Saquon or a Bijan that run a 4.7 or a 4.8 in <laughs> high school, and then you have some other guy that's like, oh, yeah, he runs a 4.4, and then – he, he lines up at the, on the blocks and it's like a four, six, five, like that happens all the time. So you can see it on the field to some degree. Right. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, even, even the, the, I love the, uh, like the computer measurements, right. That, like, yeah. The miles per hour yeah. yeah. Still like, I don't know, Spiller like had a good miles per hour and then yeah. was slow on the track field. And we know it doesn't always matter, but Seemed like the NFL cared about it. Yeah, right? um, yeah. The NFL so, still values the combine and, and the forty, so it matters. Yeah. So I, I guess like it, production, man. I want to see production. I want to see someone seizing a role, and I want to see some kind of traits. You know, high end traits. Awesome. 
Awesome. So, uh, like I said, you, you come from more of a Debbie background, so that makes a ton of sense there. Um, when we're, when you're moving into the middle rounds, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier where you're saying, you know, you, you kind of get like, you know, maybe four rounds, maybe five rounds in, and then it starts to get kind of, you know, ambiguous. You, you don't have as many of those guys with the production before. How do you kind of approach the middle rounds of this draft once you get past those more proven guys? Yeah. Uh, I think I, I like to have some different approaches and really players will catch my eye for one thing or another. Uh, either, you know, they, they hit some nice secondary metrics and the extremely limited work like Kendry, I drafted everywhere I could last year and the year before, because his first year, uh, you know, he, he'd hit some nice marks right away. Um, I like guys that are in, in ambiguous, uh, you know, backfield or wide receiver room where someone has to set up. I do, you know, and again, this is maybe something to reconsider. I definitely target the, like, Oh, he's an Alabama wide receiver and he's still on the board or Alabama running back. It hasn't worked out great the past couple of years either. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe Bond, Prentice um, work out. I, I certainly think you get some value out of that pick in the forgotten guy at the position. Yeah. You know, we've seen Malik Neighbors, right? It was like, yeah. didn't get drafted in supplementals that year at all, right? Prentice, same thing. Um, you know, and neither one of them had like crazy spring camp hype either, you know, nothing to be like, oh, I got to go get that guy. Um, so, you know, I think collecting gems with potential upside as much as you can. Um, but I, I'll say too, I, I tend to still, and like you said, like I, I have a Debbie perspective and I think I definitely play campus to Canton like a Debbie guy, like 90% mm-hmm. of the time. I'm still looking for guys that will have a, five percent chance to turn into an nfl player and i just think that's the way i think if you can do that successfully right which i'm sure i overrate my ability to do so as we all do right <laughs> yeah, exactly very we hard <laughs> yeah. but if you didn't think you knew something you wouldn't play the game so it would be right. horrible right um i still think that's the path to long-term success um i know a lot of guys that are good that i you know, and I'm not saying that my strategy is better. It's that I had a hell of a lot of third place finishes this year um, <laughs> to guys that maybe hammered the college, you know, college producers a little bit harder than I did. Um, I still think, though, like in the long term, that like focus, you know, maybe it's just a player here and there, but I should add up to a stronger, yep. you know, to more of a dynasty uh, if, if I'm doing it right. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of look at that similarly too, where, you're you control like the rookie class a lot more in c2c leagues you know unless you're doing the double copy on the nfl side but most of these rookies are already gone so you have to build your nfl pipeline on the college side Mm -hmm. so i am also typically looking for guys that i think have you know a profile that will uh, like lead them to getting draft capital and and to a role in the nfl and to being productive in the nfl and you know you're gonna bring up you know, five to seven ish guys pretty much every year. If you can hit on two to three of those, you know, as, as really higher end guys, you know, you're looking at guys you're hitting with essentially, if you're comparing it to dynasty, a first and second rookie pick, and you're kind of hitting on them like every year, it just gives you more bites at the apple. If you're targeting the, the Debbie guys like that and bringing some of them up. So I, I kind of look at that similarly. Yeah, I think you can get burnt too pretty badly chasing mm-hmm. uh, G5 production. Um, yeah. You know, and I I missed on 
you know, Austin Reed this year. Obviously, he was phenomenal. I traded for some shares of him. That tends to be more how I approach going and getting that. If I can build my, like, Debbie-style roster and be in the playoffs, that's kind of just like a dynasty. That's when I start selling picks, you know. That's when I start selling, uh, you know, supplementals or, you know, high upside guys for, for proven production. I hate trying to guess preseason who – the, you know, the G5 superstars are going to be. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, we all chased, what's it? Uh, K- Reed's at Kentucky, right? Western Kentucky? Western Kentucky, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like we all targeted the wrong receiver there this year, right? Like, I don't remember who it was, but it wasn't who we thought it was going to be. Yeah, there was like two of them this year. It was like Corley, Malachi Corley and Daywood Davis. Um, whereas right. like the year before, I mean, Mitchell Tinsley had a nice year there too, but you know, it yeah. was Jareth Stearns who was just right, going off, right. you know. So off, it wasn't even yeah. the yeah, it wasn't even the, quite the same production. I mean, both those other guys, Corley and Davis, were good, but I think they were they they definitely had a tendency to get overdrafted at times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, and I think there's probably a dozen stories like that from last year, right? Um, I fell victim to it a little bit. Um, God. Uh, Who's the running back last year? Two years Lou ago. Nichols. Lou Nichols. Lou Nichols. Yeah. He got hurt early this year, right? Yeah, he got banged up in like week like two or three or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then he got kind of Wally pipped. Was, is, am I thinking about the right guy? Um, I, he, he he didn't. I wouldn't say get Wally pipped, because, but it just became more of like a, a split. Committee. Um, than right. what we were, yeah, than what we were expecting. Like the year before, he had like 300 carries or something ridiculous um yeah and then he got banged up a little bit and and you know it became more of a split backfield than what everybody yeah. was expecting yeah i feel like there was a few guys like that mm-hmm. rasheen ali rasheen ali is who i was thinking of okay. right yeah. and then like everyone in that backfield suddenly became viable yeah yep. uh the one kid tra- went to memphis but we were all excited about yeah. him and just didn't get the job right yep. i mean there's just so many ways it can go wrong and now you've invested meaningful resources and a guy that like you probably don't get anything out of even production yeah. so i'm uh i'm yeah i'm gun shy with that i think i'm gonna probably even lean harder into my like uh just debbie mode um than i did this last year gotcha uh so are there any positions that you look to target in the middle rounds any ones that on on average um, are just positions you think are deeper and stronger in the middle. I do think wide receivers that have done anything go early, right? Even yeah. in those like five, six, seven, like anyone that's stepping into an air raid offense or has playing until the quarterback or, you know, in a school, we helmet scout, um, you know, that's a NFL factory or whatever. Those guys are gone, you know, right. by like seven. Um, so I, I think it, I think you should go after them early because – um, I just think they're one of those things, whether we do or we don't, I think people assume we have a little more information about them, feel they're safer in those like early middle rounds. Um, I feel like some running backs hang around. Um, I, I honestly think that those middle rounds are probably where you should be getting your tight ends, probably where okay. you should be getting the bulkier quarterbacks uh, for college. Every year we have like a Zach Wilson type or, you know, two years ago you got Hartman in like the mm-hmm. 30th round, the 25th round, whatever it was. And uh, he was a, you know, top 20 quarterback. Um, I just think there's so much value to be had there. Um, and, and I think 
I think your site's making that easier in some ways because you guys are, are disseminating more information about head coaches and coaching yeah. styles where that's, that's some of that comes into play, um, you know, with, with offenses that are going to be high volume. Like uh, I knew to target Phoenix this year because yeah. you guys told me about <laughs> Bowers, right? Um, you know, uh, and you could trace it from Nevada, but like yeah. still. Um, so, yeah, but tight ends, like, I don't know, Debbie tight ends early, it's kind of tough. Yeah. Evan Jordan, like, I don't know, it, uh, Weidemeyer last year, yeah. right? Oh, like, man. Weidemeyer was, like, <laughs> a top three tight end for everybody. And then, like, like yeah, washing he, out of the league. <laughs> oh, yeah, he crawled at 40. It was, like, a 4-7 oh. or something terrible. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I have a hard time with tight ends, too. If I'm not getting Brock Bowers, uh, Michael, Michael Mayer from this past year, if I'm not getting one of those guys, like, I'm just kind of punting because it is so tough. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you get those guys that are gems either on yeah. the waiver wire or, you know, or like late, right. Yeah. Like, uh, um, I, well, it kind of hurt you this year, but the kid from Utah, not, not Kincaid, the other guy, oh, uh, right. was like a mid round pick and yeah. top 12 tight end. So I think there's a ton of value there. And then, yeah, I think some, some running backs tend to fall too. Like that's when I'll like, you know, the twenties is, is like where I'm comfortable, like targeting G five guys okay. uh, aggressively, but all the, you know, all the, all, anyone who's had hype, is like long gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you said you kind of lean into Debbie early uh, and in the middle rounds as well. When do you kind of make that switch from Debbie to, to CFF? Is there any particular range you're looking to, to make that move? Never at college, never. <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 I'm, I'm hunting for gems the whole time, you know? But yeah, I'm more comfortable um, spending assets that I think are going to depreciate because the G5 guys are they're depreciating assets, right? right? They probably don't have a future after two years. Uh, more comfortable doing that. And what I describe as the late rounds, you okay. know? Uh, like, I don't mind taking some swings earlier if I'm, if I'm big on a guy. Like, I don't really have too many hard and fast rules. I try to value you know i'm a value guy if someone's falling and i like them take them you know they were nicked up last year and i think they're gonna blow up like i love that that's free money usually um but yeah i i really like to the end i i, I want nfl talent at every pick if i can okay yeah i mean why not you know and with the transfer portal now too some of those g5 guys that that they, they will eventually some of them will transfer up it's hard to identify who that's going to be it's hard to identify which ones are actually going to hit because we had Kanata Mumfield come up. Yeah. He was kind of yeah. a miss. Mitchell Tinsley came up, and I like Mitchell Tinsley. I think he will get drafted, but drafted, yeah, Six, but, seventh round, yeah, yeah. But it's not quite what you were hoping for, you know. Guys, this year, you know, Devontae Walker transferring up from Kent State to UNC. So, like, there's a couple of guys that do that every year. But it's just identifying who they are is, is is so hard to do. So when you are making that switch to CFF assets, you know, whenever that is, um, are you are you looking at kind of that elite production um, from a guy, or are you looking at guys who have like a couple of more years available? You know, like a a two three year guy. Um, what what do you pretend to value more? Uh, I don't think we know enough to say, hey, this guy is going to have a couple of years of, of high-end production. So I don't consider that at all, honestly. If I want a guy that's going to produce, I want a guy that's going to produce this year, and I don't care about it after that. If you get anything after one year, it's a bonus. You know, um, 
Yeah, mostly. Even the the production though is the transfer from G five to P five. Like the production doesn't mean as much. And you right. see this. Like Mumfield was a monster, right? And uh, and then it was just like, I mean, and yeah, like maybe Slovis held him back a right. little bit, but it didn't seem like he was, you know, breaking ankles or twisting up DBs either um, for Pitt last year. You know, I think he seemed like he belonged on the field and was a, right. you know, a top two wide receiver on a P5 team, but he didn't look like a guy that's going to be, you know, a, a top 30 or top 90 pick in the NFL right. draft. Anytime yeah. So. I mean, he got outplayed by Jared Wayne, who's, you know, he's like a, I think he's a fifth year guy. He didn't really do anything before that. So, so yeah, I yeah. feel you there. I do feel like, you know, maybe you should give him a little bit of leeway to adjust just like we talk about like a G5 guy going to the NFL, like it's a right. faster game things like that. But uh, yeah, it really traits, I guess, is what I would be looking for in that instance. I, I hammered Mumfield because I thought he was a great route runner. I thought he was going to get open. I hammered Nair because Nair is big guy run fast. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he the ball. yeah. Well, um, he had that injury. That one, that's unfortunate. I think he was going to work out. I still think he's got a, a shot, right? Yeah. But now he's going to have probably more competition coming in. Right. That A.D. Mitchell out. transfer makes it tough from Georgia. Oh, he's in Texas? He is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I yeah, love A.D. Mitchell, it. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a good sign for yours. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. And you're right. He's kind of the same guy as Nair, too, right? Like yeah. uh, X, you know, uh, yep. alpha type guy. So, uh, well, it's good. I have a ton of Mitchell. <laughs> there I'm we happy go. about that. <laughs> There we go. So in the late rounds, you, you said you're you're kind of always still targeting these Debbie long shot types. Um, you're kind of uh, looking for NFL upside, even even late, even to the very end. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think that even in a startup through 45 rounds, there's guys in that last round that you can find um, they're going to do something. And it happens all the time. I'm also uh, I I work the waivers really, really hard and and. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I that's the one place you can get an edge still, yep. right? Like we talked about. You used to be able to outwork people on information. That's yep. a lot harder to do now than it was a couple of years ago. But uh I will churn and churn and churn. And once in a while I do a dumb thing, I drop a guy and then he yeah. uh yep. becomes something that's gonna happen. But I pick up a lot of you know tasties too on, yep. on the line. So um yeah, I, I for me that's the bottom of the roster. Like I don't care that much about it if nothing happens like i i wrestle with this too so i'd love to hear where you're at in this like i, I have a hard time deciding how long do you hang on to that oh, man. promising young recruit before you yep. cut bait it's tough you know it is um, yeah it is what? it is really tough i try to view that uh, our year one zero work that austin uh and chris mm -hmm. moxley have done has really helped me with that for wide receivers so if a guy's a year one zero for wide receivers, um, and just for anybody who's not familiar with that, we have a, a list of uh, eight or 10 categories that they that a wide receiver has to hit one of them. And these are low thresholds. It's like 10 catches, 100 yards, some kick return yardage, so, some different things like that, um, where if they hit one of these thresholds, they're not considered a year one zero. Um, and if they are year one zero dramatically decreases their chances of NFL success, um, you know, to being a top 30 pick, I think there's eight seasons or top 36, uh, wide receiver. I think there's eight seasons, um, total 
out of guys who are year one zeros. And they're coming from guys like DK Metcalf, uh, Tyreek Hill, Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. Those are the big names there for that. So it's just rare. So if if I have a wide receiver who's a year one zero, I'm still looking to ship them off. Um, I will probably even start to look to ship them off at the end of their freshman season if it doesn't look like they're going to hit it. Like Shaz Preston, uh, the wide receiver from Alabama, was a big guy this year that I was trying to ship off. Um, but if we're looking at running backs and quarterbacks too, I'm a guy who's a little bit slower to move on things like that. I will mm-hmm. tend to trust my initial evaluation a little bit more until we have what I feel to be enough data points to say, okay, you know what? This guy isn't it. So I get caught holding the bag sometimes like Jackson dart. I'm holding a lot of Jackson dart bags. <laughs> he had flashes last year. He did. He did. I, I still, I still kind of believe in him. Honestly, I, I do. But um, he's got so. Well, where is he now? He got a three-way competition this year, though. Yeah, with Walker Howard and uh, Spencer Sanders. Yeah, over there. So it's gonna be. He's got the leg up, I think. But it's 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 not looking great. Yeah, <laughs> Sanders is a vet. I don't yep. know. They must have liked Howard. Um, yeah. You know, know, Howard didn't think he had a shot. He wouldn't have stayed. But yeah, quarterbacks is the hard one for me. Right. And it's it's those guys. It's uh, Sam Heward. Yeah. Oh. What do I do, Sam Heward? <laughs> if he wins Cal a starting Howard. position, you know, <laughs> like he, yeah. he's, he, you know, he's probably an instant producer if he just gets that job. I was crushed when Phoenix came back. Yeah. Um, I thought he would. You know, I thought it was foolish for Phoenix to come out this year. He needs to prove it. That he can stay right. healthy. He can do it again. And then I think he's the first round wide receiver apparently the nfl doesn't care if these guys are older than god so yeah right why not you know do do the kenny picket and beat up on kids that are five years younger than you but uh yeah the, that that whole class i had i you know i liked a lot of the 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 quarterbacks there yeah uh, the kid thompson ty thompson man i liked him yeah i don't know what he's doing he's still out of oregon and, he hasn't left yet and bonix went back too yeah right? yep it's the same exact situation it's brutal i mean i guess he's like nicks is a good guy to learn how to play that style ball from but he's just gonna get usurped by like a five-star freshman right he's yeah did more he went out yeah he ended up uh decommitting from Oregon, going to UCLA. UCLA. They brought in um, Austin Nova. To mess with another guy I like. (laughs) Colin Schley. Yeah, well, um, who's the the kid? There's an athletic. uh, Oh, Justin Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Scooped him up everywhere. He was a big, you know, DTR (laughs) 2.0. You know, it made sense to me. I was like, Mm -hmm. he could run. He's got a little bit of an arm. He's going to slot right in there. And not so much, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about a lot of freshmen here. How do you kind of view these freshmen in startups as they're coming in? Are you a little bit more conservative because it's unknown? Are you a little more aggressive due to some of that big upside you can see? How do you approach that? I think you got to read the room a little bit. Um, In the first, you know, my first five or six, uh, when you guys were still starting off, there wasn't as much information about freshmen. I thought you could get Awesome values on him. Yeah, you could. I got. Unfortunately, I took a bunch of tank uh, mm-hmm. when I could have had Bijan that first <laughs> year. Uh, I got some Bijan too, but I was getting those guys like past a point where it, it just was free to me. Right. You know, um, you, Zach Evans that year was just because yeah. the character concerns. What's he gonna do? Like, it's t- tons of Evans. You know, last year I felt like there was more of the like rookie fever sort of thing with the freshmen. Yeah. 
um, guys were taking them ahead of people with a similar profile that had already produced um, just over and over again uh, in, in a lot of my startups. Not in all of them. I had one right. where I got, you know, uh, I got Singleton in like the third, fourth, and then I came back and got Branson, Robinson, and, you know, like the five or six range. Like, and those I thought were appropriate values, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and I mean, and I love the upside of the elite freshmen, don't get me wrong, like there's not likely to be a ton of other players in those ranges with the upside, but I think it's foolish unless they are like a Nick Singleton, uh, you know, level player to take them ahead of guys that were also four or five stars that already got on the field that hit those marks, you know, or, or had a significant rushing share as, as freshmen. Um, I just, you know, I, that's where I'm at. I don't really know how it's going to go this year because I, I imagine some people are probably who did their first couple startups last year got savagely burnt by the Shaz Prestons yep. of the world yep. are probably going to be a little more gun shy this year. Um, so I'm wondering if we're going to see a little bit of a swing back to conservative valuation. Um, but that's I, I think you got to you got to pick your places, um, and I think you got to like understand the values to you of these players. Um, I think it's easy to get into trouble just being like, I got to draft freshmen because that's where the upside is. Or it's easy to get in trouble by being like, I don't want to draft freshmen. Right. You know, um, I think you really got to know like where they slot in, why you like them, uh, you know, whether it's the landing spot or the athletic athleticism, um, you know, it's all in context. I mean, I, honestly, I, I like to make a big board. I do it every year. I don't see how you can go into a startup draft and not just be throwing pasta at the walls unless you're doing something like that, like your own rankings, a big board. Um, You you know, it's just, it's just too much information to like get it from any one source, you know? Right. Um, Yeah. And and with this, the thing with us, the college side of a a C2C startup draft is, you know, when you're starting up, uh, draft on, on dynasty, you know, you're starting it up on sleeper, you're starting it up on MFL or wherever you end up, or even if you're doing redraft on, on ESPN, Yahoo, whatever you can go off of their ADP. Like that's reliable. Well, when you're trying the college side, uh, the ADP on there is all over the place and the suggested players that they're, you know, uh, that they have for you in that range is all over the place. Cause Fantrax is looking at it from a CFF perspective. You know, that's how most of those mock drafts are. And that's, almost good for guys like us who approach from a more Debbie mindset, because you can get some of those guys who fall. So I, and and I find that similarly with freshmen too, like those guys also start to fall. If you're drafting on there, if you're not using your own big board, like you were saying, like, I think that's one of the key things is using that big board because it's going to stop guys from falling who shouldn't fall. Yeah, and that's a good point too. Cause just keeping track of it, right? Like, yeah. uh, how many times have you been in a startup and like see someone get taken like ten rounds too late? And you're just like, no, <laughs> how did I not see that? What a fool yeah. I am! I yep. hate that feeling. It happens every time. There's just the one guy you, you know, you didn't take him off the list or whatever, and yep. you just you know feel like somebody took money out of your pocket. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but circling back to freshman though, I, I kind of tend to be aggressive with my top tier guys. So if I have like, when I rank my guys, like I put them into tiers, my freshman recruit. So if I have tier one guys, I'll be aggressive with those. Now this year, there's a lot more quarterbacks actually in my tier one. Mm. 
because this is a this is a really strong freshman quarterback class. Yeah, Malachi Nelson going to UC, uh, USC, Arch Manning going to Texas, Dante Moore, Jackson Arnold's up there too. Um, there's a lot of guys this year, so I'll be a little more aggressive with those guys. Um, and then like wide receivers, my tier one guys, there's, there's more of them this year. But running backs, I only have one tier one running back, and that's Cedric Baxter this year. Mm-hmm. So I will probably wait on some of those guys. But if I'm not getting one of those tier one guys, I'll wait because the the difference between you know my guys in my tier two and my tier three are it's not that big. So it's I will I'll be aggressive on my top guys and then just wait it out because you know at that point that's when I'm kind of when I'm looking to take some of those guys that are also you know mid four star guys that have actually done it on the field as opposed mm-hmm. to a mid four star guy who is you know, coming in and we don't know anything about him, what he's going to do. Yeah. I got stung last year um, with the low end five stars, right. Or the high end four stars, uh, Le'Veon Moss, right. Yeah. I, I kept grabbing him because he would just fall so far on the supplementals. And I was like, Texas A&M, A-Chain's not a workhorse. Turns out he is. But like, <laughs> I didn't know that this time last right. year. And, uh, you know, like the profile, college tape, he's got some wiggle, he's got some size. I didn't get on the field, you know. I didn't, is he transferring or is he? He's still, uh, the other guy transferred, LJ Johnson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Moss is still there. So he might get a shot this year, but they're bringing in another guy, like right from that same range in Ruben Owens, you know. Yeah. They tend to always bring in like a high four star. Some people have Owens as high as one or two as well. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, and he didn't even get on the field though. Moss, yeah. right? He got on like a handful of plays or yeah. who's the other guys? Um, Anderson from Alabama, you know, yeah, really like his freshman tape, good five-star guy. And then what, and, and, and I do probably overvalue the spring game, right? Like right. We all probably yeah, do because it's just the only thing you can see, yeah. you know? But uh, I thought he looked great. Like, you know, really just had that kind of like Jalen Waddle, like agility and explosiveness in the open field and then gets hurt. Now he's a year one zero. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give him the injury pass, but I know the math says you shouldn't. Right. So it's tough. Now he's at LSU. So maybe that'll maybe that'll help. But because um, they don't have anybody really besides neighbors. So and they don't really have a slot guy, so maybe that'll help him. But uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah, for some reason I get LSU and Clemson receivers mixed up yeah. all of that. But why yeah, both you reuse both factories? <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with bad quarterback play of late. Right. Um, uh, right. Um, so yeah, when you know moving out of the freshman here, I know another question we get a lot is how do you worry about the uh distribution of classes between college like is that something you think about at all because we get some people who are worried about you know i gotta have a mix of guys in 2023 2024 2025 classes yeah i i see people making that kind of advice uh in the community and i just don't think about it at all honestly i i i see why you would do it right Mm -hmm. but if my team has a down year, I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with my teams having an ebb and flow. If I graduate a ton of people, awesome. That's like 15 spots I can fill up from waivers. I can yeah. make trades. You know what I mean? 
I have uh, I have room for spots on my roster. Um, you know, honestly, I, I I have teams where I returned a ton of players last year. And that gets tough. You have to like sell supplemental picks for cheap or something yep. or move guys. And if you don't want a guy, no one else wants him. Everyone knows about the year about zero thing. So yep. it's <laughs> tough to get those guys off. And yeah. um, I don't like making those decisions. I'd almost rather have a little bit of flexibility um, you know, or like, ah, oh, which one of these guys do I cut? Ah, which one's going to bite me in the butt, you know, <laughs> cut them and they're starting week one. I just, you know, you know, it's going to happen. Yep. So I, I just don't overthink it. Um, I think it's the same. I think it's the equivalent of like planning around bye weeks and redraft for me, which might yeah. be clever, you know, if you're doing that, but for me, it just adds another variable into a mix that I don't like feel like it's going to significantly improve my outcome. So I'd rather focus on things I can control. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I, I I don't really think about the distribution in classes either because I just want the best player. And even in even in a straight up a Devi league, like I don't worry about like when they're gonna get to the league. Like I just straight up want the best player. Now, if if there's a tiebreaker, if they are identical prospects, you know, player A, player B, it is the exact same guy, and one's gonna come out a year earlier maybe I'll use that as a tiebreaker or maybe they're, they're in a different class. Maybe I'll use it as a tiebreaker, but it, I honestly cannot even think of any examples where that's ever happened before. So it's extremely rare that I would ever worry about that as a tiebreaker. So I, I agree. I don't even, don't even think about it. Give me the best players. I'll worry about the distribution side later once they get to the NFL. And once they all hit, if I'm bringing up, Bijan and Gibbs and Evans and Kendry Miller this year and JSN. If I'm bringing all those guys up, I'll worry about that then. You know, yeah. Give yeah. me the you'll best be able to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. The exactly. one league, the one league I'm in that I do have to think around that is I'm in one that uh, PJ runs, and it was supposed to be like a kind of like tweener, like Debbie CTC okay. league. So the rosters are small. And you can only you get it's like a keeper on the college side. Okay. Um, so that one, like you, you you have to think about it because you can't right. just if you have like five future first round talent guys, but they're all sophomores, or or you know, like six or seven, but they're all sophomores, like you're in trouble. Like I had that last year where I had too many people, I couldn't keep them all, and uh, and I'm cutting guys that are college producers, and I wound up having to trade someone. And I was like, I, I was choosing between Tank, Sean Tucker, and Quentin Johnson. And of <laughs> course, I traded, I traded Johnston. And now I'm like, no! So I'm just not even sure about draft capital for Tucker or Tank at this point. Yeah. Probably good day two, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I mean, RB's so deep this year, too. It's it's hard to say what the NFL is going to like. We'll, we'll know a lot more about that after the combine. But I don't envy that choice. I mean, that's those are guys like how do you choose between them like you're gonna choose wrong sometimes <laughs> you're gonna yeah. kick yourself uh, and as part of the trade i got uh i got like picks and then jalen tolbert who i'm like i was never a tolbert fan because g5 right. guy late breakout i'm all right. set but it was just the best i could do and then he's gonna like die on my taxi squad <laughs> yeah it's it's a it hasn't started out promising for tolbert um no. But all right, so last thing on the on the college side, we talked about ADP a little bit and and how it can definitely vary 
um, once you get past like the top couple of rounds there. Um, how closely do you follow ADP and do you use it in your startup drafts? Like, do you try yeah, to take he, advantage of it? Yeah, I, yeah, I'll try to take advantage of it. I mean, the one time I'm looking at ADP is if uh, if I'm playing the who's going to come back game. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. I got these two guys. I want them both. Which one's more likely to come back? Which is still not a wise thing to do because right. the reality <laughs> is there's 11 other guys. One of them likes him. You know, but sometimes you got to rationalize the decision for yourself if people are right. here equally. Um, but yeah, I, I try not to think about it. I've had too many experiences where I'm like, this guy's ADP is 20, 20 later than this or, you know, 30 later than this. It doesn't matter right now. And then the guy next to me picks them because most, you know, if you're in with other experienced players, we're all thinking similarly about right. that, I think, you know. Um, so I think it's, it's a tool. You can use it kind of as a projection, but like use it a projection like, I don't know, like projecting the weather, right? Like, you really <laughs> yeah. know. So if you really want a guy, you better just pony, pony up, just pay for him, just take him, you know, make the rest of the league go, oh, that was a reach. And it's not a reach if, if he turns into a, you know, a stud for you. So. Right, exactly. If, if he turns out to be what you what you think he is, and that's why you're taking him there, then it's not a reach. But yeah, I I have been going back and forth on how I want to use ADP with that too, because you know the top rounds, like so you you can you can rely on that fairly well. Um, but then once you get to like you know round seven, eight, nine, ten, it starts to get a little bit more unreliable. So uh, I was. I was curious how somebody else used ADP there because I've been struggling with that one. Well, where are you at on it? What are you going to do this year? Are you doing startups? Uh, I don't have any startups on the books right now, but it is only it is only February, so we got we got plenty of time. Um, and our ADP over at the site, we're still we're still building it out. Um, but I did a, an episode uh, on, on last episode of Canton Bound where I kind of looked at some early ADP and like it was all over the place. So. I'm not going to use it as much as of right now. Now, if it starts mm -hmm. to shake out, you know, in a couple of months and it starts to look, you know, it'll start to look a little bit better and, you know, maybe I'll use it at that point. But right now I'm not. I do think it coalesces through the summer. Like, yeah. I know last year I had the experience where in early startups, there was like, people don't even know who this guy is yet. You know, yeah. I will wait and I will take him later. And then, you know, by uh, May or June, it's, <laughs> you get a fifth round, fifth round startup yeah. pick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes it tough as, as people get more information, like we've been saying, uh, it's harder to keep those, keep those sleepers a secret. Uh, but moving into the NFL side here and, and, you know, we, we kind of know some basic dynasty strategies, so we won't spend too much time on that, but, um, you know, looking at the NFL side of your C2C draft or your college side, do you have one that you prefer to draft first? And if so, why? I don't really have that strong of an opinion. Um, I try to work them together. Obviously, I think anyone rational would. Right. I think I have some preference to do the college side first, because if I, you know, for me, psychologically, I'm more apt to, to think like, hey, uh, I don't really have to worry that much about taking a second really good quarterback right now in my startup draft on the NFL side. I'll just hit them in college, you know what I mean? I'll mm -hmm. get that, the next CJ Stroud, the next Bryce Young. Well, the problem is someone else in your draft reaches five picks ahead of you and takes them, and then you just don't have options. So um, if I do the college first, I'm a little bit – I know my needs mm -hmm. a little more going into the NFL side. 
kind of know what you have coming up. It's like you've already done your rookie draft for that next year. So I, that's a little bit easier for me. Um, you know, ultimately, again, like I, I'm thinking from a Debbie perspective, I'm building that NFL roster. So it's like more information to make those decisions about on the NFL side. Yeah, I prefer to I, I do kind of prefer to do the college side first as well for the same reason, because you kind of know what your pipeline already looks like. So, you know, on the NFL side, OK, I can actually take some of these older guys like I can take Derrick Henry maybe a little bit earlier. You know, I don't have to worry quite as much about the age here um, and, and take a guy who's a little bit younger, but isn't going to put up those same high end stats if, if I already know hey, I have B. John Robinson coming up next year. You know, I know I have um, Nick Singleton in the pipeline. If I have one of those guys, like, I'm not quite as worried about aging out. So I do like to do the college side first for that reason. Um, so you said you, you do like to try to make your rosters work together. Um, does your strategy on one side affect your strategy for the other? Or how do you how do you go about making those rosters work together? I've played with some different ways of doing this. And I think like the second or third startup I did, yeah, it was uh, the nerds one. I, I was I was doing a lot of productive struggle in Dynasty and like doing really, really well with it, right? Just like only drafting wide receivers and quarterbacks, getting a top pick, getting running backs and and being instantly a you know top three or four team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when that goes right, it goes well. It doesn't always go right. And I tried that in some campus Canton. It is not easy to do, <laughs> you know? So in that league specifically, I, I built an awesome pipeline, but the guys that were left, when I, like particularly I punted running back, and the guys that were left when I started taking running back were freshmen. So that league, I have Bijan coming up. I have like a ton of studs, like a lot of like firepower on that. But one, I found... Uh, some of my picks there, I was like reachy because I felt like I had to take running back. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I wasn't entirely comfortable trading in, you know, cross leagues. Yeah, particularly with uh, that that league had a lot of guys that had more Debbie experience than me. Um, and it's still hard to trade across yeah. leagues, to be frank. It That's is. like the hardest thing in campus. Yes. Um, so I, I felt like that forced my hand a little bit. I, I think the best way to do it, honestly, is just Take BPA no matter what, <laughs> with the exception of like, don't screw yourself on quarterback. Right. Because getting screwed on quarterback in campus again is horrible. You could have a loaded roster everywhere else, and somebody is just going to like cut your arm off like, if you need a quarterback. Because <laughs> it's hard to get them coming up. You know, we yeah. get the, you get the guys that we think are going to be awesome, and then they turn into Zach Wilson, they turn into Sam Howell, they turn into yeah. Matt Corral, like, and they're not even starting. It's not like they're Kenny Pickett, they're starting with questionable outcomes and maybe a really short career, unless you know, they have a really different career, you know, change in here too. Right. There's not even plan. It's just so brutal. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think going the productive struggle route um, really works in, in the college side too. You do have to just kind of take BPA um, in terms of trying to make my rosters work together. Like I said, I do it kind of in like the startup where I will see, you know, the, if we go to the college side route first, I and I know what I have coming up as my pipeline, I won't worry about age on the NFL side. If I do the NFL side first, I might be a little bit more conscious of that. But I, it's at the same time, I'm still not all that worried about age on the NFL side because I can control the flow 
of players coming up. Like I can control what rookies I'm I'm going to have coming up on the college side because if I want those guys and I miss on them for one reason or another, I can try and make a trade before they get to the NFL. So I feel like once they get to the NFL, it is a little bit harder to move for make a move for some of those guys. Now, obviously guys like Bijan at you know, once they get to that level, it's really hard to trade for them, but you know, I, I try to get to make the trades for these guys early so that way I can get you know, several rookies coming up that I feel good about. So I don't worry quite as much about the age. So in terms of working them together, you know, I, I, I try to do it in the startup. Uh, it, it really depends on which side I go first. I feel like sometimes trading for those guys that, you know, we've identified as a likely, you know, early round NFL draft pick is already incredibly hard. Like mm-hmm. people know just enough to be like, oh, he's going to be an NFL player. And then they want to get paid like they're already a successful NFL player, right? Yeah. Like like the equivalent of like a first and second round draft pick, like an NFL stud. And it's like, that's not a good decision to make Yeah, 60% of the time, right? Like, yeah, 40% of the time you got like Jamar Chase or, 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 or Justin Jefferson. But mm-hmm. 60% of the time you're getting like, you know, you wind up with a big goose egg or something. Yeah. So it's, it can be hard, you know? I mean, how, how many guys – come up that this year well, we've been lucky with wide receiver for a yeah. few years right but yeah. there's there's still guys every year that just look great until the draft look great until wait why aren't they on the field week one right. you know yeah it's definitely one of the more difficult things to do um so we you know we, we talked a lot about the startups here and, and how this is going some of the more difficult things to do what do you think the the hardest thing about a c2c startup is yeah, I mean, I, the hardest things I think are, are are trading and understanding values with the college players relative to the NFL values, because you just they're all over the place, and uh, we don't know as much as we think we do, yeah. right? And like that's a hard realization when it when it yeah. hits you in the pocket, right? And it, and it will, um, and yet like you have to acquire that young talent, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think if you're you're scared to trade. Uh, it's hard to really build a winning roster. It's, it's easy to build an, an average roster, you know, one that's not not a bottom two team. But to really get over that hump, I think in any you know Devi Dynasty um, campus to Canton, like I think you have to be able to trade successfully. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know finding good trade partners that are they're reworking or while you're competing or they're competing on my favorite thing, they're competing on college. I'm competing on the NFL or vice versa, and really right. like make a partnership, make some good deals, and, and everybody can win in those. But just understanding the values is, is hard, man. And, and you got to, for me, I, I got to understand what I'm going to be able to live with. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, which of these decisions am I going to like, are going to like, make me want to quit playing fantasy football? <laughs> and, and which ones are my okay, if I missed a shot, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think you have to be, I think you have to get to be that too, right? Yeah. Like you if, if you want to win, yeah, you have to, you, you know, you, you're not, no one's going to shoot a hundred percent, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to airball a few, and, you know, and that's okay. It just, it, it's like you don't get gun shy and you, you keep at it, you know? Yeah. You don't get analysis by paralysis, you know, or paralysis by analysis or however yeah. I remember exactly which way it is, but you yeah, know, right. yeah, don't don't stop trading just because you're worried about losing, you know, and anal- over analyzing every single trade, like just have fun with it. 
I think, and know that you're going to lose some trades sometimes and just be okay with that. I think that's one of the big things too is, is with trading is knowing that I'm not going to win every single trade, but I think this is going to help me. I think that's the most yeah. important thing. Yeah, and I think too with trading, what I found, and I started to work hard at doing this last year because um, I, I still, even like last year, I'd make some trades like uh, – there was a league where it was kind of weak on the NFL side and forget who it was. It was like Hawkinson before he broke out and I traded him for like Jalen McMillan and a few bits But McMillan was just like starting to rack up hundred yard games, Boers offense, Phoenix. I like, I felt really good about that. Yeah. Five-star kid, athletic, ah, you know, kind of got whacked. So now I'm really focused on getting like, if I'm getting the college side, which a lot of people are scared too. So I think yeah. there's some value to be had there if you can do it. But I want to get several pieces. You know what yeah. I mean? I want to get like that guy that's, you know, maybe very promising, but then two or three other guys that have some Debbie potential and a pick. And those deals can be hard to pull off if you're not dealing with someone else who kind of understands the, you know, the relative values. But somebody else that's getting an NFL piece that knows what they're doing is going to be like, yeah, cool. Take them. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? I'll give you, you know, three 20% chips for a hundred percent chip, you know? Um, but I think that really helps, you know? Uh, Cause even if you miss on two and one blows up, you, you're, you're good. Yeah. You feel better about it. Yeah. I, I agree. You gotta, if you're going on the college side, you have to take a little bit more of a scatter shot approach. Not, not totally, you know, you're not taking all these like Debbie long shots. You gotta have one, right. one or two core pieces, but, but uh, doing the scatter shot, um, you know, just, just getting as many of those pieces as you can. Um, all right. So last, last question I got for you before we get you out of here. Um, what is the biggest piece of advice that you have for beginners in a startup? And then we'll move into experienced players. Um, my two biggest pieces of advice, and honestly, they probably apply to all the beginners and a lot of people who have done a few is one, make your own big board. Yeah. And then use it to track the picks that are coming off, particularly when you're in those early startups where fan tracks were using placeholders, right? Yeah. It's maddeningly difficult to do. I almost prefer doing them um, on the spreadsheets, on the Adeco yeah. spreadsheets. But even then, like you'll get guys that aren't that aren't in there. So I, I think you, it's hard, but once you make the you know, make the sheet for the big board, it's not that hard to manage after that. Right. And then I just cross I just gray out names. You know what I mean? The text goes to gray, they got taken. Start a clean copy if I do another startup. And actually, that's that's on my Patreon too, which I will share that with anybody. Okay. If you want a big board, shoot me a DM at EK Baller or FF Baller EK. Either one works, and and I will send you a clean sheet of a big board. Um, that is just yeah, that would be extremely useful. Highly recommend that, guys. Definitely reach out to him on Twitter. There, it's like both of us here, and we talked about it on in the last episode of Campus Life too about how important having a big board like that to go off of is so definitely reach out to uh to eric here yeah number two watch film <laughs> you gotta watch film and, and, you, and you gotta do it for yourself because i don't know like there's some really awesome film analysts but even good film analysts get the uh we can get the rose colored goggles right for people we yep. like Yep. Um, or you know we, and, and i'll see it like sometimes there's like an oh, the guy makes just an amazing play and that kind of like sticks in your memory yep. and colors everything else after that. It's so easy. And you'll hear two different people who are credible saying the exact opposite thing about a player, particularly in Debbie. 
um, because there's such a small sample size uh, and we're all like, no one has time to do like a serious scouting session on every one of these Debbie players. We just can't. So, like, yeah. We watch a few games, you know, um, it, it's tough to just digest the whole of it. So, well, and this, this is my lesson from the Max Borgi incident of, of 2020 or whatever it was. Cause like, it was like right about that time. Uh, and it was Matt Hicks it was on Twitter and he was like, how are you drafting players without watching film on them? And then I went back and watched the Borgi film and I was like, it's okay. <laughs> you know? But uh, so I think you'll save yourself some heartache. At least no one's going to, you know, most of us who are just players and, you know, don't have time to do this, uh, you know, full time or, you know, for 30 hours a week, aren't going to be able to watch film on everybody. But yeah. the ones that you're investing significant assets in, you know, like those, those, your startup picks that, that you want, that your buddy told you are awesome, or they're talking, you know, calling it awesome. They're talking about a campus life. Like do yourself a favor, go watch some film. There's so many awesome resources. Even if you just go on two, four, seven, they have the highlight thing. You can click right through on that. And it usually has the most recent ones or huddle, uh, or, you know, I'm sure there's a bazillion other resources that you yeah. guys YouTube, uh, just even straight up YouTube, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really like will make a difference. And then you'll start to get an idea of how your values and you know, what, what, what winning traits look like in a wide receiver and in a running back. And it's, you know, it's a skill you build. Like I'm no yeah. film guru, but I certainly know enough now to like, Hey, like this guy's winning this route. This guy's not winning this route. Like this guy can't get open. Like, why would I draft him? And uh, I think that makes such a big difference. And you can kind of start to take control over, you know, your, you know, your destiny. It's a Debbie player. It's like campus, a Canton player. And and uh, I think understand your own values a little bit better when you're not just, um, you know, just listening to somebody or trying to decide who to listen to, which one's the best voice. And you start to have your own opinions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't recommend that enough either. Like having your own opinions. I mean, I'm always more than happy to to help and, and to give some advice and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's your team. You know, you're the one who is making these draft picks. You're the one who is winning or losing in your league. You know, you you have to be the one to make that decision at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what analyst you prefer to listen to, what voice. Uh, it's your team. So I, I love that advice because we do really try to encourage people to just kind of see it for yourself, you know, and, and use some of the resources out there. You know, if you can't find some tape, uh, I know you're, uh, Debbie dose, you guys have a couple of uh, film breakdowns on there, you know, just, you can watch some tape with somebody who knows what they're doing. Like you guys, you know, Brandon Lejeune has those on his Twitter as well. There's, there's a number of guys like that. Debbie Royale, I think has some of those too. Like you can mm-hmm. find some of those guys out there on YouTube and, you know, not necessarily not watch with them, but like, watch and see what they're looking at and you'll pick up on things. You know, Matt Waldman too is, is great on that. He's one of the guys that I, oh, I learned. Awesome. Yeah. He's one of the guys that I learned how to watch film from and I just, just watching what they're watching, seeing what they're seeing and building your own opinions. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I learned the same way as you. I watched a ton of Matt Waldman videos. <laughs> yeah. I watched, you know, Nick Whalen would do some breakdowns, yeah. uh, Jetpack at Leo is yeah. really good at that stuff. And just picking up on the nuances of things that people who are more experienced than me were pointing out. And then you say, oh, that's what that looks like. 
Yep. That's what, you know, like a, a, a clean break looks like yeah. or a head fake and getting, you know, that's what they mean when they got the DBs hits turned, you know? Yeah. You start to really kind of build some of those skills in yourself. And you can come on the Defitos and watch film with me. We do a lot of live film scouting during the season. Nice. Okay. I'm going to try to try to get a little better with the, the technology end. Cause last year I had, have you ever tried to do that? You get a lot of lag sometimes. I haven't. It's, it's tough. I know. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking I'm going to try to rip stuff more to my hard drive and then play okay. it, um, you know, to do that. But we, we do a lot of that. Jeff's awesome. Jeff's a really, really good film scout. Uh, you know, he, he sees things that, that, that I don't and uh, contextualizes things in a way that I can't uh, at this point. So, yeah, he's awesome. I love having him on. And uh, and then as we go through the season, when guys catch my eye, like I'll do breakouts on him. And partly I'm doing it for me because I'm spending that like hour, like going through film on a guy and watching it and rewatching it. And then I kind of have a better take on them. But I try to put that all stuff, right, all that stuff right up on the YouTube channel. And it's, it's free. It's there. Usually I tag it with like 2024, 2025 scouting or debbie scouting playlist uh you know if anyone's watching and you're into that like definitely give us the follow check us the subscribe yeah. I, i'd love the support yeah debbie dose on youtube uh I, you, you, it's it's an invaluable resource to be able to watch film with somebody i didn't know you guys did those live breakdowns that's that's awesome um so definitely everybody out there check out debbie dose on youtube go subscribe follow them over there follow along for some film advice and uh, hit up the Patreon over there for uh, Eric, you know, DM him, get that big board. Those are the two biggest pieces of advice he's given you. I can't recommend those two pieces of advice enough either. The big board, doing your own research. Uh, I think they're fantastic pieces of advice. Yeah. And then while I'm plugging tons yeah, of data resources in, there too, um, I, I think it's important to understand that end of it. So, you know, if you want to know how to build a model, uh, you understand like what what we put into these models or anything like that, or you just want like data rankings. We got the data cards we put out for all the 2023 players, uh, all the running backs, all the wide receivers. I haven't done them yet for quarterbacks. I don't know if I'm going to bother doing them for tight ends because it's tight end. Like it's tough. <laughs> it's, the college production doesn't always matter, you know. Um, but yeah, so those are on my Twitter. Uh, I'll probably link them all on the Patreon too. I haven't thought about doing that yet, but, or just DM me and I will, I will send you this stuff. Cause like, I don't care, like, you know, like sub to the pro, pro Patreon if you want and donate, but either way, I'll just, I'll give you the resources. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I, I knew you were, uh, you were a C2C sicko like me. So I knew you would be a good one to have on here for a startup strategy. Um, for if you missed it at the beginning, guys, my guest today was Eric Quartz at FFBallerEK on Twitter. Uh, he is a senior writer for Dynasty Nerds. He's the host of De Debbie Dose on YouTube. Uh, he has the, the Patreon there, too. Go subscribe to both of those. Uh, Eric, I, I really appreciate you joining me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. Uh, good, to, good to talk smack with another degenerate. <laughs> always, always. Uh, well, all right, well, that is going to do it for us here tonight. Um, again, I appreciate you joining me. But before we get everybody out of here, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here tonight. As always, I'm Colin. Eric at EK Baller. Love being here. Have a good one, guys.